can have the greatest assets in the world, but if you can't manage them, they won't be worth a nickel. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, real quick before we get started, first of all, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on the show and for listening uh, to all my loyal listeners. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, continuing to listen and support the show. If you can go on to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen and subscribe to the show, that would be fantastic. Spread the word too. I'd love to, you know, have this reach more and more people. So if you could share it on social media or, or, or and just talk about it to other people, that would be fantastic. And the last thing is if you can go on to iTunes and give us a rating review, uh, hopefully five stars, that would be great as well. It just helps us spread the word more and it helps us get continue to get uh, really good guests on the show. We've had some fantastic guests and I just want to be able to continue to bring fantastic value to you. Go on to our Facebook page too, Pillars of Wealth Facebook page. And I'd like to hear from, from you as a listener of you know, what you're doing in business, what you've got going on, what you are maybe struggling with or uh, being successful with, and then what we can do on the show to help push you to that next level. Maybe uh, questions we can ask our guests, maybe guests that we can get on the show to talk about certain topics, certain things that are really neat, you're needing uh, some, some extra support with. So provide for us some feedback on Facebook, um, and you can also share this out on, on social media. That would be fantastic as well. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a uh, being a either new listener or a loyal listener. I definitely appreciate it, and we will get started with the show. Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dykesheimer. With me today, I have Matt Bronner. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm well, Todd. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, Matt, uh, why don't you give our listeners a little bit about your background and then we'll get started. Perfect. You know, I'm originally from the Midwest, grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, made my way to Minneapolis to work for Target. I then had a career in fundraising, working for a nonprofit, and along the way had ties to Minneapolis because what was supposed to be just a couple of rent houses grew into a larger real estate investment company. And even though life took me down to Austin, Texas with a family, it brought me back here just back in May of 2018 to run our company full time. So my wife, our two kids, another one on the way are excited to be in the Midwest and make our home here. Are, are you sure you're excited? There's three feet of snow on the ground right now. <laughs> you know, we joked about it. We said, it's not winter that's so hard. It's winter with young kids. Yeah. That's a bit challenging when they can't outside. But we're making the most of it, and we've built a whole lot of snowmen and snow angels along the way. Yeah, snow forts, snow angels, and then eventually as they get older, you just got to get those outdoor like hobbies that are good for the winter. We started doing a lot of skiing and stuff and it makes the winters go a little faster. Right. Right. So um, tell us then a little bit about your company uh, that you've got and, and what you guys are focusing on, what you're doing right now in this market. Sure. So right now in the market, we are really focused on 
multifamily acquisitions, specifically here in the Twin Cities, but then we've been fortunate enough to be able to invest in a few other deals across the country. And then as we focus here in the Twin Cities, it's really built around our property management company. As we moved from single family homes and you know, like a lot of folks started investing in multifamily with duplexes and fourplexes, just learning frankly how important good management is to your ability to deliver returns. And that's what I spend a lot of my day doing um, because it's who you have. And if you wanna get specific, to hit the repairs and maintenance issues that come up uh, that are going to determine whether or not you can hit your return. So that's where we spend time and we hope it also enables us to meet other investors, people like yourself and find other deals along the way. Yeah. So as you're, you know, looking at your portfolio, trying to hit return expectations, what are some specific things that you guys are doing to help, with those return expectations and to, to increase those? Sure. I would say it all starts on the front end. By right, you can't get back what you lose there. And so we have scaled through a number of debt investments. And that means that we have to be aggressive in our cash on cash returns. So we look to hit a 15% cash on cash return in year one. And so that's something specific to our strategy now. And then, frankly, as I was mentioning earlier, with regards to the management, it's how you can then capture market rent and then the cadre of people that you can call on to manage and address maintenance issues that come up that are going to really determine whether or not we've found you can hit your, your return numbers. So let's dig into that a little bit when you're looking at, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the people that can, you know, basically do the repairs, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. What are you, what are you finding success and how, how are you finding success in that? What are you doing to get the right people on board and all that kind of stuff? You know, it's really networking, similar to networking for investors. And although it's at maybe a slightly different end of the spectrum, the really good plumber or the really good electrician takes time to find and the ones that can do the work well at an appropriate cost already have more work than they need. So it's how do you become important to that person? And that's why we're scaling our third party property management business. Over time, we'd love to just manage our own properties. How do we become more important to those vendors? We like being able to rely on a service as the market goes up and down. There's always a need to properly manage properties. So we might be a little bit different than your typical investor in that regard with the fact that we are, are building out this company. But then I would say that's probably the most specific strategy that we have of how do we grow to become more important to the right subcontractors. No, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when I was doing a lot of flipping, I was definitely important to their business because I was keeping them very, very busy. Um, and as I scaled back on the flipping, I noticed the responsiveness of a lot of my subcontractors went down. You know, they didn't value me as much as, as previously um, did. And, you know, they had other work. The economy was picking up. And so, as you said, becoming important, making sure that you have work for them um, mm. consistently, I, I agree, it's, it's going to be very valuable. 
Um, so what are some things that you guys have done as you've grown to really, really help your company grow uh, as quickly as it has and to become successful? I would say it's two things. One are the people that we've met along the way, you know, you and I connected through really two links uh, of people that went back to an investor that we had worked with. And those just open up so many opportunities, whether it's new investments, new people to work with, new investors, uh, helping to find deals. People are definitely the key cog that I think help you to grow. And then it's becoming really focused and specific about what you're looking for. Where I think we've grown a lot this past year, where we frankly started out with a hobby of, okay, we know we want to buy real estate, want to have people rent it from us. It was kind of looking anywhere we could find a deal. And we found an interesting niche and we started out buying a lot of townhomes. But I would say our lesson over the past 18 to 24 months has really been the fact that multifamily is the most efficient and I believe the best way to own and operate real estate. And then it's even zeroing in further on exactly what you're looking for so that your team of people, whether it's brokers, investors, know what you're looking for, know what to bring you. And then it helps you make decisions quicker. We certainly have a long way to go, but I think those are probably the two most important strides that we've made is focusing on who's in our network that we can help and thus help us too. And then having a real clear definition of what we're are there any strategies for somebody to get there? You know, there's a, a lot of people, there's so many different strategies in business and in real estate and just, you can go, I can do, I can do notes or multifamily or self-storage or all kinds of different stuff. And even within those specialties, there's even more niches in there. Is there any strategies that you can help our listeners with that can help them get to that point of where they've become more laser focused like you guys have? Well, I do think that there are some lessons that everybody has to learn. You have to learn where your skill sets are. You have to learn uh, where you see market opportunities. I wish I could tell you that we had this grand vision uh, over time that we were always going to own apartments, but that just wasn't the case. We knew we wanted to own real estate. Mm-hmm was any strategy was just constantly talking to other people who owned real estate type businesses and we have just worked our way into multifamily over time now i would say kind of a backward looking strategy has been like all right what do we know and then what do we want to stay focused on there are always new opportunities but it's it's really how you spend your time in business that can really drive success so because we've learned multifamily over time, that's really what we're focusing on right now, whether it's the deals we're looking to acquire or the deals we're looking to invest in, because then we can learn it better and we can make decisions that much faster. Yeah, sure. Um, what's, a what's a big mistake and how have you learned from that? Well, this is getting pretty technical, but with regards to properties, it's been assuming that all properties are created equal. Mm. We're to look at what we've worked through over the past year. We bought a number of properties that were built around the turn of the century 
unfortunately I'm not talking about 2000, but <laughs> hundred and they were great deals and we've made them work thus far, but over time, your operating ratios really catch up to you there because there's a reason construction standards have improved and changed over time. And that goes back to what I was mentioning earlier. And so right now what we're doing, and it's something we're very much in the middle of, is first focusing on what we're looking for. We generally don't want to buy properties that were built prior to 1960. If you want to get more focused in, maybe not even before 1978 when a lot of the lead um legislation went into effect uh, and then for what we have now it's how do we mitigate losses how do we create positive trend lines and then move on from those properties as quickly as we can um, because we just don't think they'll be the type of investments that will bear fruit over the long haul and when i say long haul i'm thinking 10 15 20 years is it mainly because of the the you know deficiencies of the the structure itself, you know, the, you know, whatever the plumbing, electrical, the, the actual structure, or is there other things that run into that? Some people, um, you know, if you want to talk specifically about the structure. I think you will see people over time say, I don't want to own properties with flat roofs. We still are, are comfortable in that regard, but you know, as you be, Become more of a multifamily investor. It's fascinating how much you learn about construction and you know a pretty basic construction lesson that I know I've had to learn and we've learned along the way as well is you can't put band-aids on top of band-aids on top of band-aids. You know, mm-hmm. sooner or later um, you're just running up against a wall, for lack of a better term. And, and so you have to, if you want to expand, specifically as we look to make larger investments, it, it's something that becomes really important to us. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've learned the same lesson as you as far as the age of properties and, and uh, certain types of um, certain, certain types of, you know, plumbing and whatever it is. Uh, there's, there's certain things that just don't really last forever. Um, and we have to be very cognizant of that as we're purchasing a property. Uh, very similar to you. Have bought many properties where the expenses are just through the roof, and it's because of the age of either the components of the property or the property itself. So, uh, very, very easy mistake to make because we look at things on a, the piece of paper and we go, "Oh yeah, the, you know, here's where our yeah. expenses will be." Yet, right. You know, reality oftentimes isn't the same as what's on the piece of paper. Right. So as you, uh, you scaled your business, uh, you guys started, when did you, what year did you start? 2011. 2011. Um, so you scaled, you know, relatively quickly. Uh, and uh, you were able to now find success and, and be able to do this uh, full time. So what did you find that was helpful to kind of take you towards that next level to keep on progressing? And what are you finding successful now as you're continuing to go to the next level? I would say they're one and the same. We started in 2011 buying townhomes that had been hit particularly hard in the last recession, predominantly in the northern suburbs. 
of Minneapolis. And we liked those because you could amortize your risk where we were putting down almost all the cash that we had to our collective names. I have five other partners. And that was beneficial to us because you weren't worried about roofs or if you did your homework the right way, the association would take care of a lot of it. But then 2015 was really a pivotal year for us. Uh, first, we found the right financing partner. Uh, we started working with Bridgewater Bank here in Minneapolis. For so long, we would go to people and we'd say, hey, we've got this great idea. We're gonna have an LLC that's gonna buy and own real estate. And the banks would say, well, that's great. Show us your balance sheet. And we'd say, well, you know, that, that's where you come in. And so finding the financing partner that would take a chance on us and grow with us um, was really pivotal to our business. And I can't say enough about working with Bridgewater. They've been a fantastic partner over the years. And then as we grew, and that was a, a, I wish I could quote exactly the number of properties that we acquired that year. But I do remember that year, that's when we started to be in contact with more multifamily investors. And, you know, we just never even knew these types of investments existed. But I, I do believe that came from just having a willingness to seek out more people who worked in the space, who we knew, uh, being comfortable talking about what we at that point in time, we're just doing on the side. And that's what has allowed us to grow some of the significant multifamily investments that we've made. And I think those are both still true today. We're able to acquire deals because we have a strong financing partner in Bridgewater. Now we've worked with other lenders as well. And there are a number of great lenders in the Twin Cities and all across the country. Uh, but then, We've also maintained a focus and we've really invested financially um, in opportunities for networking, whether it's the Minnesota multifamily uh, housing agency or any number of other different trade organizations so that we can continually be around people who are doing what we're doing because again, that's just an ingredient that we've seen help grow our business. Yeah, yeah, good, good points. I think it's so important to be a part of those, you know, the conferences and, and different associations and the events that are happening and going around and, and just be able to immerse yourself with those who are doing what you're doing. Cause it's, it's just so fascinating when you meet others that are in the same city doing, you know, very similar things as what you're doing. You've never met them before. Um, you know, the twin cities is small yet large. And it's just, it's, it's unreal when you really unpack it and realize, you know, how many people are doing very similar things to what you're doing. Absolutely. And how you can help each other. And, and most people, I think, have that growth and abundance mindset uh, that are doing this business. And most people are willing to help out. And don't really necessarily, yes, your competition, but they don't view you as much as competition as they do as just kind of, uh, you know, uh, somebody that, you know, they can learn from and, and, and you can learn from. So It's really interesting you mentioned that because I've had other people who haven't had a lot of experience, specifically in multifamily, that have brought that up. Uh, when we talk about doing deals with um, other investors, they're like, well, well, isn't that your competition, your exact phrase there? And I've tried to articulate just, you know, how much this business depends on working with others. You know, very few people either have the capital or um, I guess it's just 
speaks to how much of a team you need to be successful here that at least for us hasn't made it an issue of competition. Yep. Yep. And if you, you know, if you have a good relationship with your competition, you have a good trust uh, there and, and obviously they're ethical as, as well as you are, uh, instead of just trying to beat them every time, working with them and trying to strategically, you know, align yourselves with them makes a lot more sense in my mind. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so what are some essential people in your business that have really helped you kind of grow and get to that next level? I guess talk with, talk about us with, uh, with that a little bit. And it, you, you've already done so, but maybe expand on that. Sure. I would go back to first and foremost, your financing partner. And that has been instrumental for us in helping you grow. But then as you look at different deals, their ability to speak to your credit worthiness uh, will certainly help you win deals. Uh, I would then say it's your management company. And, you know, there are investors who will follow different management companies around the country. Others may have one they work with locally. As I said, we're going about it a little bit differently here. We've certainly invested in deals with uh, other management companies. We've done a lot of work with EIG. They're a fantastic company here in the Twin Cities. Um, but your management is going to really determine, as we've mentioned a couple of times now, just how good of an investment you have. You have to buy right, but then you have to manage it well. You can have the greatest assets in the world, but if you can't manage them, they won't be worth a nickel. So that person becomes incredibly important. And then, you know, this is a number of people here, but it's your investor base that you'll work with. Uh, one thing that we have to remind ourselves of and that we're often surprised by is that everyone who invests with you once has the capacity to do more. And it's how you treat those investors, frankly, Know, how competent you are, whether or not you are able to return capital and deliver on what you promised on, your ability to effectively communicate throughout the process will then increase their confidence in you, their willingness to invest in you. And together that helps you grow over time um, as you look to take on different deals or to go into different ventures. So those are, are three that, that come to mind for me. It's your financing partner, it's your property management, um, and the investors that you begin to work with who are, are really depending on your reputation. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you bring that up, that every investor that invests with you um, honestly has more money that they would be able to invest. And, and it really depends on how you treat them, how you act, and whether they invest again or not. So really interesting. I think a lot of people think that uh, and I've heard it said before, well, if I raise, you know, let's call it a million dollars that there goes a million dollars that I could have raised and I won't be able to raise it again. And that's uh, maybe further, the farthest from the truth. Uh, most of those people would reinvest if the right investment comes up and if you treat them the right way uh, from the beginning. Yeah, that actually goes back to my career in fundraising. And again, this was for a not-for-profit but really good charities understand, just like really good businesses, that the loss of a customer or a donor or investor is more significant um, than acquiring 
new customers or investors. Now, business has to be dynamic, it has to grow. But when somebody makes a gift to your organization, when they invest with you, that first time they're crossing that trust gap. And that's the most difficult decision for them to make. In fundraising, we would call it the test gift. Okay, let's see what you're going to do here. And then if I can see results from that over time, then you might be able to really tap into their philanthropic capacity. I believe, and I said this is somebody who's relatively new to the game, you have a lot more experience here than I do, but I believe the same thing applies to investors. What you get the first time around is not their total capacity, and it is a test in many regards. And your ability to build that up, then what else we would say to ourselves when I was working in fundraising, we would say, go to those who are already giving you the money because they trust you. They know Todd, they know Matt. And so then your opportunity is greater in terms of what you're looking to raise. And of course there's a win-win there, but it just becomes such a better use of your time. It's much more difficult to get the first gift or the first investment out of somebody than it is to go back to someone who you have a proven track record with. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, good stuff there. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and I want to mention a few things. First of all, I've been doing some coaching and I want to continue to kind of expand that slowly and, and take on a few clients. And, and up until recently, I didn't really believe uh, in coaching and, and uh, you know, taking courses and stuff like that. But I recently, or I shouldn't say recently, it's been, it's been a, a few years now, hired a, a coach and saw a immediate results and have been very happy with it and decided, you know, as my teaching background, I wanted to do some coaching myself and help other people get the results that I was able to achieve. And so if you're at that point where you think that's the spot for you, or maybe you just want to explore if it's right for you, uh, you know, reach out to me, I'd have a free discovery call with you. We want to make sure that it is the right step for you to take. There might be other things that you can do to get success uh, and coaching might not be it, but let's have that discovery call to find out if that is uh, the step that you need to take. So it can really make a major impact in your business and get you to that next level. Uh, the other thing is John Stiles. He's on this show every single week uh, with me on the Hump Day Hustle. And John Stiles is a real estate agent in, in Minnesota, and he will help you find a good, good investment property. John is very knowledgeable and can help you find an investment property. It can also help you sell your investment property. So reach out to John Stiles with Bridge Realty and uh, connect with him. He'll also, you know, consult with you and, uh, and make sure you guys are the right fit. So uh, give him a call if you're in Minnesota, reach out to him. Uh, he'd love to help as well. Back to the show. So tell us about your company's goals moving forward. What are you guys, uh, where, where are you going in the next five years or 10 years down the road? Sure. So we are really focusing on multifamily investments here in and around the Twin Cities. As I said, we've had the opportunities to invest outside of Minnesota and we're really excited about that, but we believe you have to know your backyard. It's why I moved my family up here to Minnesota and despite all the snow, we're really glad to be here. And because you have to be able to network within that community. 
And we're just trying, frankly, to, to transform our portfolio and grow at the same time. Um, if you can operate, you know, bigger isn't better just for bigger's sake, but to be able to focus in on some larger investments that allow you to operate economies of scale, ultimately allow you to deliver better returns. Um, and then you can become even more focused in on the market and who you need to support you along the way. Going back to, we we're talking about maintenance folks, you start working with a lot of apartments that have boilers, you get to know the, the plumbers who work those boilers really well and you learn who you can trust and you learn who you can go to for a value in that regard. Um, and so that's where we're focused, we're excited, um, but it's a seller's market right now in the Twin Cities. So um, it's always been hard and certainly is right now working to find deals, but that's where, that's where we're spending our time. That leads me to a couple things. Uh, first, I really like what you said, where you said bigger isn't better just for bigger sake. And, and that's so many people think, well, we got to go bigger. Uh, we got to buy bigger properties. And it's not always better just, just to go bigger. So you got to make sure you're, you understand what you're doing there. Uh, the, the next thing I've got is uh, a question. You've mentioned it's a seller's market. What are you guys doing to, to be able to buy right now? Is there anything you're doing in particular um, to be able to buy and kind of what's your play on the market? Is it a seller's market? Are you, are you just kind of a wait and see? Uh, are you still aggressively trying to buy or is it going to be, uh, let's just wait until the next recession happens? No, I would say that there are still deals to be had. It's a little bit more difficult. Um, what we're working on right now is first and foremost, making sure that we're capitalizing on the fact that it is a seller's market. So it's a seller's market because the fundamentals are strong. We have low unemployment and folks are starting to see wage gains. We're certainly by no means looking to gouge people, but it is your opportunity to raise rents over time and the properties that you do own to create value in that regard. Uh, and even though we're not in a recession right now, specific to our financing, you always need to be planning for the next one. So we're trying to make sure that we're getting through our CapEx on the buildings that we own so that we're set up well and the next recession inevitably does happen. So we're positioned well to see good cash coming off our buildings and that we have debt that's really long in the tooth to be able to guide us through that, as well as having some cash available at that point in time. And I would say the fine deals right now, they're still out there, it just requires more networking. It requires you to go out and meet with brokers. There's a, another podcast you and I referenced when we got together for lunch, uh, the old Capital Real Estate Investing Podcast. Michael Becker will say on there all the time, people do deals with people they know, like, and trust. And no one's going to come to your office and give you a deal. No one's going to come to your office and give you a check. It requires that you be out there. So it's a lot of brainstorming on, okay, where can we go find deals? Who do we know in this space and just not being deterred when there's a lot of either rejections on LOIs, brokers telling you there's nothing out there. It's, it's continuing to find it. There are a few deals, as I've alluded to, that we've been able to invest in outside of the Twin Cities where some markets, I would say, are slower to recover from 2011 where Minneapolis is right now. Uh, and we felt comfortable doing that because of the people leading those deals. We're not just arbitrarily saying, okay, that sounds like a good market over there. Let's go. What we've learned 
from multifamily deals. And again, I'm stealing from uh, another podcast here, but the jockey is more important than the horse. So the person leading it is what you ultimately want to work and look towards. And because we have trust in those people, that's why we have trust in investing outside the cities right now. Yeah, no, lots of good points there. Definitely agree. Um, you know, as, and as you mentioned too earlier, I mean, the same thing goes when you're talking about the sponsors or the leads on the deals. Um, you already mentioned about the property managers on the deals. I mean, you have to have the right team in place. You have to have the right people in place in order for the investment to make sense. You know, buying right is one thing, but beyond that, it's, it's all about the management. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, what's a favorite book or uh, what's a, yeah, what's a favorite book that you've read? Let's call it within the last uh, maybe year or so. Gosh, favorite book that I've read, you know, uh, for Christmas, it's one I'm working through right now that I really enjoy. It's called Leadership in Turbulent Times. And I'm a history guy. It's something when I have time outside of business and, and my kiddos that I really enjoy. Uh, learning about and reading and it, it profiles um, uh, four different presidents as they led through periods of tumult in U.S. history. And it's been really, really fascinating to read. And so it's been fun for me to do that when I can. Um, feel blessed to be busy right now. I haven't had a ton of time to read for pleasure um, as much as I would, I would certainly like, but um, that's one that sticks out. Cool. Awesome. Um, what's, what's a one way that you give back? You know, my wife and I are really focused on our church. Um, it, it really defines who we are. We're members of Eagle Brook Church. And so we give back both financially. Um, we believe in tithing and then we do believe in giving, um, giving of our time to the church as well. Certainly wish it was more with, as I said, um, the, the kiddos seem to keep us pretty busy in that regard, but um, that's really where we focus. We find it's a great way to invest in the community and to work into building into others' lives. Cool. Awesome. Um, last thing, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation would be uh, first, minimize and eradicate debt that doesn't build wealth for you. Mm. One of the things that I believe helped me along the way is before uh, my wife and I got married, I just decided I was gonna pay off all of my student loans. And so I lived on one paycheck a month. I was traveling for a living at the time and so I would literally like eat the free dinners in the Delta Sky Club. <laughs> um, I could afford to pay down the debt. Um, I might be biased here, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong. Uh, I would say invest in real estate. Um, there's a statistic out there that shows just how many millionaires in the United States own real estate. I believe it's over 90%. It's always given my wife and I a great amount of confidence to own something. Um, not knocking any um, any startups in this regard, but we like the fact that at the end of the day we own something. There's real people that live in our houses um, and live in our properties that pay real rent in that regard. Um, and then 
I would say the final piece is look at money as a tool. Don't look at money as a goal. Uh, I love that one. It's not my goal to be wealthy. I just believe money is something um, that society speaks a lot into. Um, but money is money. There's nothing special about it. Um, we, as I said, really rely on our church um, and our faith that guides our attitudes um, towards money. And I believe that helps us make proper decisions uh, throughout our life and will hopefully guide us into the future. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I like that last one a lot. I mean, I, that's one thing I tell a lot of people is, you know, money is neither good nor evil. It's, it's a tool that you can use to do good or evil with. So you have to choose wisely how you're going to use that tool of money. The more, the more tools in your toolbox, the better sometimes. <laughs> sure. It's something that I think a lot about, um, as I said, I've got young kids. Um, my son is two and a half, so he's not quite old enough we can start imparting those lessons. But yeah. one of the things that I find myself thinking a lot about is how I just impart that exact piece. And it's something that when you're in our business, as we were talking about, you know, whether it's bigger for bigger sake, you can get caught up in the dollar signs pretty easily here. But um, I've also seen a lot of people go wayward because that was their ultimate goal. Yep, yep. So Matt, uh, I appreciate you joining us on the show, spending time with us. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they, if they want to reach out and find out more from you? Sure. They're free to email me. I would love to have a conversation with any of the listeners here. And my email address is Matt, M-A-T-T, at N-W-S Properties. All spelled out IES uh, on the plural there. So Matt at nwsproperties.com. Awesome. Awesome, Matt. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the show, spending time. Uh, tons of good value here. So again, appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Todd. Yeah. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again. Go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.